we kind of touched on last Wednesday or Sunday, one of those times, about the 40 days. I guess it was Sunday. About the 40 days after the resurrection. And it is something, Mr. Frank, that we don't talk about much. We tend to talk about the cross and the resurrection. And that's it. But after the resurrection, Jesus walked the earth for 40 days. And I, I find that fascinating. And I would like to have been a fly on the wall, so to speak. And just to see what he was saying to these guys after the resurrection. So I took some time and went through all of the Gospels on this. And it's really good to read all of them. They're each person's account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because the authors are so different in their approach and in their, their telling of it. Uh, their personalities come through, and so therefore they pick up on different details. And I really enjoyed reading all of them. I'm going to give you all of those where they are, uh, where it starts about after the resurrection, and y'all can read them at your convenience. We're going to be reading from Luke tonight, okay? But Matthew 28 is Matthew's account. Mark 16 is Mark's account. We're going to go to Luke 24, because a lot of times Luke is very detailed. And then John 20 is John's account. So we're going to do a little bit of reading tonight. I know it's Wednesday night. I know a lot of you have been to work, or uh, you guys have been out doing yard work on this beautiful day. So stretch if you need to drink some coffee if you need to we're going to go to Luke 24 and we're going to read the whole chapter but I will not just stand up here and read it to you we'll take some breaks and talk about some things as we're going along and please don't feel sorry for me uh, when you see my Bible and if any pages fly out I do have a newer Bible it just doesn't have all of my notes on this in it yet I don't have everything transferred over, so I literally have some of the pages stapled in here. So don't feel for me and go buy me a new Bible. I, I have one. It's just sometimes you've got to go to the trusted one, right? I'm going to title tonight, Infallible Proof. That is what the scripture calls it. What Jesus did in the 40 days is infallible proof. Can you imagine the day of the resurrection as one of Jesus' followers, I mean, can you put yourself there mentally? You've walked with him. You've watched him do miracles. You've seen him walk on water. You've seen him multiply fish and bread. And, and you've watched him heal the sick. And he has poured into you and made you and called you his disciple. You've learned from him. And so they've gone from the depths of despair. Jesus is dead. He's been crucified. They've witnessed it. To absolute bewilderment when these women come running in. Women on top of that. The first to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus' resurrection. They come running in and they say, He has risen. Now, for us, we're looking back and we're going, he told y'all. He told y'all that he was going to be crucified and rise again. On the, he told them. But then again, I look at how many things he's told me, 
and I still haven't got it. So, you know, it, it kind of helps me. And so they've gone from, from great grief to just this bewilderment as Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and I'll try to say this right. I, I listened to it online to try to get it right because, you know, I want to call it Salami, but that's not her name. <laughs> Salome. Salome. And Joanna and other women, the scripture says, those are gathered from all of those gospel accounts. And then it says other women are saying that they've seen him. And at the same time, the Roman soldiers are spreading a rumor that his body has been stolen. Uh, they, they come up with this story. They said, hey, we got to come up with something. Uh, they paid the soldiers. The scripture says they paid them a lot of money. Uh, to say that his body had been stolen. And so there's a lot going on here, and their emotions are going haywire. They don't, they don't believe. <laughs> the disciples don't believe what the women have said when they come in and tell them that he's, been, that he's ridden, they, that risen. They don't believe it. So in Luke 24, we'll kind of... Start at the beginning. He says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the grave or the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone had been rolled away. You remember we talked about that Sunday. The angel was sitting on it, remember? And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. So they're coming to do the ritual Thing with the spices and, and to take care of Jesus' body, and it, it is gone. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? The angels said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man, be crucified, third day rise again. It's like, do y'all remember when he said that to you? And they remembered his words. And they returned and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, to all the rest is important to me. Because he did not just show himself alive to the disciples. He showed himself alive to many. And so the word was spreading to many that he was alive. And I think that is part of the infallible proofs. Is that so many people were going to know about this and so many people were going to see him. Verse 10, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with him, are with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. You know, let's face it. It's, it's, if you've lost a loved one, and somebody comes running in and said they saw them down here at PDQ, that's a tough one. And that's where these guys were. They, they thought that they were just making this up. Verse 12 says, Then arose Peter and ran to the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, 
and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Now, I love John's version of this because John is such a man. It was a competition. It says that he and Peter ran to the grave and that John won. I mean, he puts it in the story. I was the first one there. He talks in third person, but he's saying, I I was the first one there, by the way. I, I beat Peter. And so it's kind of a fun version to read, but... This part where it says they, he stooped, Peter stooped down and he beheld the linen clothes, what was, Jesus was wrapped in, laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. I love one of the commentaries I read today. He said, Jesus left the garments of his mortality. He left the garments of his mortality laying there. His death garments were laying there. Why? He's alive. If somebody had stolen him, they wouldn't have unwrapped him to steal him. So he left them there. The garments of his mortality. Verse 13, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. It was about seven miles. So two disciples are going to, on the road to Emmaus, it's about seven miles, and something's about to go down. Now, this, this account doesn't talk about the soldiers' um, story and them getting paid, but you can find that in Matthew 28. It gives detail about the soldiers, okay? Verse 14, And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So these two guys, disciples, are, are friends of Jesus, are walking, and they're talking about, all the things that had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So they're walking along the road to Emmaus, and this guy shows up and starts walking with them. Verse 16 is interesting. But their eyes were held that they should not know him. Because, man, you read this and you think, how would you not know Jesus? You... You've been with him. You've watched him. You've known him. You know his voice. But for some reason, God chose not to reveal him at this moment. Or maybe their grief had them blinded. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, they could see, but they didn't recognize him. It was kept from them to recognize him. In fact, Mark 16 uh, his version in verse 12 says that Jesus appeared in another form. He, he looked different. He was different. He wasn't recognizable to them. I'm not, I'm not talking he morphed into somebody else. I'm not talking about anything strange. It's just he appeared differently to them. In fact, when the women saw him, they thought he was the gardener. So I can't explain all that. I told John today we're going to talk about some things that I can't explain. And so I just want to tell you up front, there's some things I can't explain. But I find it fascinating. Verse 17, and he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and you are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? How do you not know what's going on? So he goes through this little 
story with Jesus, and he's like, how do you not know what's been going on with Jesus of Nazareth and the prophet? And he, he talks to him about the chief priest and how he's delivered, condemned to death, and how the women... Uh, were astonished when they reached the grave and they found not his body, verse 23. And then verse 25, Jesus starts talking again and he said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, you guys read the scrolls. You know the scrolls. A lot of you had them to memorize them uh, because a lot of these guys were Jewish. You've you've got these scrolls memorized. How are you so slow not to see what they were trying to say? These Old Testament prophets were trying to tell you exactly what was going to take place. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And this, I love this part, because y'all know how we love typing shadows around here. Pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament before Jesus was on the earth. It says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So we talked about this Sunday. Jesus said, guys, the serpent on the pole in the wilderness that saved them from the bite of the serpent, the poison of the serpent, that was Jesus. The Passover lamb whose blood was shed and applied to the doorpost to save them from the death angel, uh, that was Jesus. You know, he, Moses being the deliverer of his people, that was Jesus. That was a picture of Jesus. And he starts going through all the Old Testament scriptures going, that was Jesus. And man, their eyes are about to be open. Verse 28 says, And they drew nigh into the village, and he looked like it was, he was going to go further, but they asked him to stay and to spend some time with them, not knowing who he was, but man, this, this stranger was interesting to them, and he sure knew a lot of information. Verse 30 says, And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. Now, this is starting to look familiar. They've seen Jesus do this before. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. That's cool. <laughs> that's, that's just cool. Their eyes were open, and they knew who he was, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scripture. When he began to reveal to them who he was in the, in the scripture, it lit a fire on the inside of them. And guys, you're going to hear this again next week when I'm with y'all at Spiritual Emphasis because your theme is Ignite. And when they heard the word of Jesus to them, it sparked something that that enlightened them and they began to get revelation of who was talking to them and that it was Jesus and they said that their heart burned within them as he talked with them along the way and opened up the scriptures and they rose up the same hour verse 33 returned to Jerusalem found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying the Lord is risen indeed because he's appeared to Simon Peter And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known 
to, of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. And Jesus was really good about this when he would suddenly appear on somebody. You know, peace, or angels would do the same thing. Peace be unto you. But they were terrified, and they were afraid, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And this is important wording. It's in verse uh, 37. Because Jesus was not a spirit. I mean, he was a spirit, but he wasn't there in just spirit form. He was there in a resurrected body. They assumed, hey, Jesus died and his spirit, his ghost, if you will, is here. But that, that is incorrect. And he's going he's gonna to explain that to us here in a minute. The resurrection is important, that it was resurrection and not Jesus dying and his spirit or the ghost of him being here. There's a huge difference in our salvation because of it. And he said, why are you troubled and why do thoughts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. This is his resurrected body, not just a spirit. And when the, he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and he showed him his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wonderment, he said unto them, You got anything to eat? <laughs> I'm telling y'all, we got the coolest Savior ever. <laughs> so this part kind of bothered me today. I thought, what on earth does that mean? While they yet believed not for joy and wonderment. Does that puzzle anybody else I mean some of y'all are way smarter than me so I looked it up in some other versions I really like the message bible it said they still couldn't believe what they had seen it was too much that the bewilderment and the wonder of it all was overriding everything else and the bible in basic English says because for joy and wonder they were still in doubt so they didn't have time to process this. They were just in wonder of what had just happened, as you can imagine, uh, of him appearing. And yet, there's his hands, there's his feet. He's there in flesh and bones. And, you know, something I put in, in my notes that I think some of you might have some enlightenment on, flesh and bones, not flesh and blood. I, I find that interesting. I have some thoughts. Maybe we'll get to them. I want to hear y'all's first because y'all's might be better than mine. <laughs> Jameson Fawcett Brown said this. He said he was implying the identity but with diversity of laws of the res resurrected body. And, and what I wondered is if it was more like Adam's body. And, and you know, we saw Jesus move Philip, right? He transported Philip. Remember when Philip was with the eunuch and the eunuch wanted to be baptized and Philip baptized him and then God moved Philip from that space to another space supernaturally? I mean, we're going to see Jesus do some things here in these 40 days that's not natural. 
For one thing, he's resurrected. He's living when he was dead. But we're going to see some things in his body that are very interesting to me. Do you have anything to eat? Verse 41. Verse 42. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. So this body could still eat, partake of food. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Here again, he's, he's enlightening them to where now the things that they have heard are starting to come together and they're starting to make sense. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things now we we often call this the great commission you can find it the one we most often use in Matthew 28 verse 18 and in Mark 16 15 this is when he says I'm leaving go ye therefore and all the world right Preach to the nations, baptizing them. He talks about healing the sick and different things. This is Luke's version. He says, You're witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Go to Jerusalem. Wait there. You'll be endued with power. We, we know in, from the book of Acts that's the Holy Spirit. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands. He blessed them. He spoke good things over them. And it came to pass while he blessed him, he parted from them and he was carried up into heaven. They worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. This lit a fire in them. This revelation of his resurrection, the the infallible proof that his word was true, was standing in front of them. They could touch it. They could feel him. Uh, The proof was there, and it lit a fire in these boys, and they needed that. John and I were talking today, and I said, you know, these guys were going to be tortured. They were going to be killed in just unthinkable ways. They were going to be imprisoned. Uh, They were going to be tortured. Uh, I mean, they were taking Christians to the Colosseums. They were, you know, putting them in there with lions. They They were lighting them up as torches, their bodies. They were doing, and if you've never studied it, these guys that followed Jesus, it was a living hell. And they needed to know that they know, that they know, that they know, that they know, that they know that Jesus was the real deal. And Jesus gave them infallible proof before he left the earth. That's the kind of Savior we serve. So they became witnesses. You know how important a witness is? (laughs) They're important. An eyewitness is important. And so this gave them the strength and the courage to go through what they were going to go through to get the gospel to you and I today. And thousands of years later, here we are. The story's still going. And these guys had a big part in it. And that's why they'll be so celebrated in heaven uh, for what they did. I believe they got some thrones up there. 
So Jesus ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father God. That Some of the other versions of the other authors will tell you that. And that is where he sits and remains today. There is so much more that Jesus did. I felt this was important, that he took care of his leadership, that he was, he was leaving here on the earth, that he gave them infallible proofs. But in John 20, it says that Jesus did many other miraculous signs. Doesn't tell us what. <laughs> I wish it did. I, I try to use my imagination. I think, what could he do that, that they hadn't already seen and witnessed? But it says he did many other miraculous signs, verse 30 in John 20. In the presence of his disciples. And I love how he loves us. I love how if, if we have doubt, he wants to help that unbelief. He's willing to work with us. If you don't believe yet, he's willing, to, he's willing to give you infallible proofs. He loved them that much. And it says, which these things were not recorded in this book. The miraculous things that he did in the presence of his disciples are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In other words, he wants to do the same thing for us. He wants to give us infallible proofs. Do you know you're a witness to Jesus' living? Anybody in here got a story? You're, you're infallible proof. What if you don't tell your story? I'm not, telling, I'm not saying you have to air all your dirty laundry. But you can say... You don't have any idea who I was and who I am today because of Jesus Christ. I'm living proof. I was telling Tanya, a guy came up to my door. I'd gone to pick the grandkids up at school, and I was in the, you know, that never-ending line of parents there to pick up their children from school, and you get there 30 minutes early, you know, to get a good good position in the line, and and I was a little bit late because I didn't know I was going to be picking them up. So I was third row over, and this guy shows up at my door, and uh, my window, and uh, so I rolled my window down, I know him, and uh, he said, you know, he said, you are the strongest person I have ever seen, and I said, well, <laughs> it's because of the word, it's because of Jesus Christ, I mean, this person's a believer, but you're a witness, you're infallible proof, and, I, and when I was studying this, I thought, God, you let me be infallible proof to someone. You're infallible proof. I know some of your stories. I don't know everybody's story, and I don't know everybody's all their story. But this is what I know. You're infallible proof. And when you're a witness, it's important to give your testimony. If you're in a court case... And you're an eyewitness. It's one thing to be an eyewitness. It's another thing to be an eyewitness. Give your testimony. And you don't have to have a microphone to do it. Because you're going to meet somebody who's dealing with something where what you've dealt with and overcome because of your Christianity, because your relationship with Christ, because of the word that you know, that you can share with them and be an eyewitness and be infallible proof that Jesus Christ is living. That's way better than y'all are shouting. 
<laughs> John 21, 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. In 40 days. In 40 days. It's not, it's not all in here, everything that he did in those 40 days. But they said he did so much before he ascended. These guys are going... I don't know that the world could contain the books. That's good God right there. And that was all before the ascension. And, you know, we don't often celebrate the ascension. I know some uh, denominations and some religions do. They celebrate the ascension, as the, the going up of Christ to heaven, as much as they do uh, the crucifixion and resurrection. And I think that's a good thing. Because it's important to know that our Savior is seated at the right hand of the Father God. They're making intercession, being the mediator, being my attorney for me. Representing me. Saying that one's mine. That's important. So I wrote down, this year, the day of ascension is celebrated on May 18th. It's not on your heathen calendars. But it's 40 days after Easter, 39 40, or 40 days, because I, I, I think it's always on a Thursday. You can help me, Natalie. It is, always on a Thursday. So the, the 39th or 40th day, and it's usually on a Thursday, that, we, that a lot of denominations, a lot of religions celebrate the ascension of Christ. And I'm going I'm to mark it in my calendar, and I'm going to thank God <laughs> that I have a living Savior at the right hand of God Make an intercession for me. It's something we've never celebrated before. But I, I'm, I may eat cake that day. I don't know. <laughs> Come up with a creative dessert for Ascension Day. Might make the scale go up. I don't know. Acts chapter 1. I know I'm reading to y'all a lot tonight. I'm not even going to apologize. This is in-depth. That's what we're here for. And it's really hard to surmise this and make it shorter. Acts 1, I'm going to start in verse 3. I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified if you're on a device. To them also he showed himself alive after his passion, his suffering in the garden and on the cross. He showed himself alive by a series of many convincing demonstrations unquestionable evidences and infallible proofs. That's where we got tonight's title. That's pretty certain wording. He showed himself alive by a series of many convincing demonstrations, unquestionable evidences and infallible proofs appearing to them during 40 days and talking to them about the things of the kingdom of God. Now, he had been talking to these guys about the kingdom of God, right? But now he's enlightened them. Now they get it. They didn't get it before. They didn't even get that he was going to die and be raised on the third day. And he had told them that pretty plainly. 
I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to rise again on the third day. I don't know how much plainer he could say it. But now they're enlightened and now they can see it. And now the whole picture is coming together for them. And so now he's talking to them again about the things of the kingdom of God. Verse 4 says, And while being in their company and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for that the Father had promised and they had heard them speak about for John baptized with water, but not many days from now, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he's got their attention, and you wonder why they went and got in that upper room and waited until that happened. He had convinced them. They were convinced. They had much evidence and infallible proofs, and they were starting to get it. Can we go to one more passage? Y'all staying with me? 1 Corinthians 15. Oh man, this is good. You thought he had talked to a bunch of people? Just wait till you read this one. Wasn't just the disciples. It wasn't just the women that went to the grave. The crowd's growing here on who saw him, witnessed him in his resurrected body. The Apostle Paul is speaking. In verse 3 it says, For what I receive I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, this was at their time, though some have fallen asleep. Some have died, but most of the witnesses were still living when the apostle was talking about this. Most commentaries think that he's talking about when Jesus told them to go to Galilee, that he would see them when he rose again in Galilee, and so they all went to Galilee. Uh, Most people believe it's in Matthew 28, that this is what he's talking about. 500 plus witnesses. Now, if you parade 500 eyewitnesses up on the jury stand, you're going to win your case. Jesus is that good. (laughs) He was going to make sure that they could win that case. That he was going to make sure they had infallible proof that would give them courage, that would help them endure what they needed to endure. And I believe he did that for us as well. This was recorded for us. Verse 7 says, Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me, right, the Apostle Paul. You remember when he appeared to the Apostle Paul? Jesus is already resurrected. No, um, the road to Damascus, Right? He's on the horse. He's going to persecute the Christians. Bam. <laughs> and he says, Lord, what, Paul said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And he made himself real to Paul. Last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. He got to witness Jesus even though he did not get to witness Jesus before the crucifixion. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I love that. And his grace to me was not without effect. 
There's a whole lesson right there. God's grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What did the work? The grace of God. The grace. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. We have to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe he gave infallible proofs. Y'all can read the rest of that. There's more in there about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. But I love Paul's version because he had a real personal experience with Jesus Christ on the road. When I was wrapping this up in my head tonight, and I was going, God, what do, you, what do you want me to get out of this? I mean, I feel like everybody here probably believes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, what I got out of it, and you may have got something different, was the power of testimony. The power of testimony, the power of us witnessing Jesus Christ in our personal lives, that Jesus would take 40 days to build that into these guys and the strength and the courage that it gave them. And if I can, I can witness Jesus Christ in my own life and have a personal relationship with him, a living relationship with him, would it not give me the same, it has given me the same courage. I'm not being thrown into the Colosseum with a lion. But there's been some pretty tough stuff. And knowing that Jesus is alive and in my corner, God let me be infallible proof. God let Teresa be infallible proof. God let these guys be infallible proof. There is a living God. God let Billy be infallible proof. God let Kyle be infallible proof. That is what I got out of it tonight. Let me be infallible proof. I was, I was looking at a, a minister that I occasionally like to listen to. I know there's some controversy about him, so I'm not going to give you his name. But he talks a lot about the value of testimony and, and, the, and our witness. And he gave the definition of testimony, and it really stood out to me. He said it's a it's spoken or written record of any of God's activity in my life. It's spoken or written record of any of God's activity in my life. That's my testimony. I need to be speaking it or writing it. It it has power when it's shared. Being an eyewitness is one thing, but being a speaking witness of what you've seen and what you've experienced has a whole nother power to it. Every time we tell the story, we give opportunity for that story to be told again. That's what they did. That's what these guys did in the scripture. They told the story and we're still telling their story. I told their story tonight to how many people in this room. Now that that story's been told to you, if you didn't know the story, now you have the story and you can tell the story. And this is how the gospel is spread and this is how the kingdom has grown. 
when you become a speaking witness. It's powerful. And you think, well, I'm not perfect. I don't want to. Nobody wants you to be perfect. They wouldn't like you if you were perfect. They crucified Jesus for being perfect. (laughs) What they want is for you to be real. They want you to be real. And they want you to say, hey, I had this physical attack on my body. I mean, I think about Karen Wilkins. Our children's, one of our children's church pastors. Yeah, I'm talking about you. She's loving on Tina back there. I got to be an eyewitness uh, as, as a, a young girl of, of Karen um, being as tough of a Christian as I have ever seen before in my life. And, and paralyzed from the chest down, drag, drag herself. It's her story. I think it's on our website or somewhere. The testimony of Karen Wilkins. We went over there to, she was getting ready to go to Kansas to see her family for Christmas. And we walked in over at her house and she was dragging her body, taking the ornaments off the Christmas tree, packing up, getting ready. She'd drag herself up and down those back steps, wouldn't she, Tom? Just drag herself. She wasn't going to lay there. She was healed. Well, her body didn't look like it. But she was, she was being healed. Her faith was making her whole. She wasn't supposed to be able to have more children. Tom wanted a son. We say that he and my granny prayed. Matthew, who is now a, a pharmacist in Clarksville, uh, and, and you'll notice she walked in here tonight. And she'll walk out of here tonight. She's not supposed to do that infallible proof and I don't want to tell anybody else's story but my goodness are there some stories in this room and the sad thing is a lot of people on the other side of the church don't know your story maybe that needs to be the Facebook topic 